Hello there, it's Fiona, host and regular GM for What Am I Rolling? Just a quick note here to say that this episode of What Am I Rolling was recorded in the week just before lockdown happened in the UK, and quite a lot of the content of this episode reflects current moods and current affairs that were going on at the time. Now you may be wondering why I would mention this at the top of the episode. I know that a lot of people use role-playing games as a sort of escapism to get away from thinking about or dwelling too much on current events that are happening in the world, and I completely respect that. For me, I use role-playing games as a mixture of both. I sort of use it to escape what's going on around me, but also to reflect and ponder on stuff that's happening in the world, and that's how Twain has come about, really, for me. If you're not in the right headspace to listen to it, that's totally okay, and I just wanted to mention it at the top of the episode. I will say, though, that Twain is an excellent solo game, and I would heartily recommend it to anyone who's feeling the need to sort of be self-reflective just now. And please do check out Jay Lee's other games on the Vermilion Games website. Thanks for listening, and stay safe wherever you are. Welcome to What Am I Rolling, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast, hosted by me, Fiona. This week, I am playing Twain, a short game for one, written by Jay Lee and published by Vermilion Games. Twain is a one-player emotionally immersive LARP about reconnecting and texting with a crucial part of your past that doesn't text you back. It's about magic in real life and the difference between how we related to it long ago and how we relate now as adults. You can find out more about Twain on the Vermilion Games website. That's www.vermilion.games. I'll include links to it on the What Am I Rolling website and in this episode's show notes. overview of how Twain works. The game acts as a mythical layer on top of the player's real life. The player plays themselves, with a few changes, and they must answer the given prompts by writing directly onto the game materials. Then, once they've answered these prompts, the player must play out a live scene in a public space to explore their relationship they've made with a fictional twin who grew up to do all the magic that they themselves never got round to doing. And that's pretty much it. Quick spoiler note here. Obviously, we're going to be going through all of the written prompts given in the game materials, so if you want to play Twain yourself and don't want to be spoiled, just pause the episode for now and come back when you're ready. One last thing before we begin. Naturally, there are times in this one-shot where the players and myself, well, mostly myself for this one, get the rules wrong or forget something plot-wise. Whilst we always endeavour to stick to the rules wherever possible, at the end of the day, we all make mistakes. And what matters most is that everyone enjoys themselves. So, with all that out of the way, let's play Twain. A long time ago, you had a twin, and you used to do magic together. You stopped because life got in the way. Your twin did not. The two of you lost touch. Now you have chosen to follow a dream about your youth, coming to a meeting place to find them. Your twin is not there. I'm actually quite excited to play this game. Um, 
it's actually quite an interesting time for recording this. With all the stuff that's going on in the world just now, and my flatmate going away on holiday, and various bits and pieces, I'm actually sort of on my own. And that's where I thought, oh, this, this game would actually be really good, actually. So I'm just spending a nice, quiet Sunday evening just just about to play this game. So let's see. Let's see what uh, I have to do. So first part, uh, I've got to write my name in the book, which already I'm not I'm not a big fan of writing writing in books. Um, okay, how to play. One, draw from your own life and history. Twain is a mystical layer on top of your real life. You play yourself with a few changes. The depth of the game comes from the depth of your real world self. Two, answer the questions as if they were true. Use a pen you love. Write directly onto the game materials. Do not use other paper. Many questions may have a right answer. It is the answer that most instinctively resonates with your real life history. Already, I just, ah, oh, I hate writing in books. This is an absolutely gorgeous book and I feel almost guilty that I have to, it's a one use only, but okay. Three. Act in real space. When you reach part B, follow the directions to roleplay a 20-minute scene alone in the physical world. Afterwards, tell someone about it. Well, that's why I'm recording it, and hopefully hopefully it will go well. So I've got 20 minutes of prep, and then 30 minutes of playtime. So, yeah, let's, let's, let's do this then. Go to one section at a time in numbered order. Complete part B within 36 hours of part A. Okay, so there's a time limit on this one. Part A. Read the descriptions given and pretend that they are true. Answer the questions presented. Go through the book strictly in order, writing directly on the page in pen. Start with section one. One. The call. Long ago, your twin and you understood one another completely. Growing up, you were inseparable. In your childhood, the two of you learned that you were rare, humans attuned to the soft world of magic. Those like you are few, and their work discreet. And perhaps not everyone believed in the magic. But the two of you did with all your heart. You learnt it together. You used the call, the rituals of the soft world, to shape your dreams together. You felt the soft world responding to you. You were children. And it was beautiful. 2. What was your twin's name? If, in real life, you ever had a magical version of yourself, a fictional identity, a Mary Sue character, or otherwise cooler version of yourself with a different name, use this for your twin's name. Hmm. My parents ballet around with a couple of names, but they really like Catherine, and that's actually my middle name. Catherine would be a good different name, so Fiona and Catherine. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with Catherine. How are they different from you? What were they like? Catherine? Catherine was shorter than me. I'm actually quite tall, I'm under six foot, so I think she would be shorter, but not by much. We look similar in the sense of the shape of our faces, uh, like the, the way our noses, and the, maybe a couple of freckles and whatnot, but I think she would have had different coloured hair. My true natural hair colour is sort of a mousy, browny blonde. I think she would have had a much darker hair colour, so maybe... Maybe like a chestnut brown. 
our eyes would be different as well. Like I have sort of a grey blue kind of colour. I think I would, oh man, if she was a cooler version of me, I would 100% want green coloured eyes. So she'll have green coloured eyes. So we're not identical twins, for sure. When I was younger, I used to have very long flowing hair, like sort of shoulder length, just the way it was cut. I think she would have had, she would have preferred having her hair done up more. I always used to like having it down. So she used to have her hair swept back in sort of a high ponytail. You know, it was maybe a bit longer, but not, not overly like cascading down her back or anything like that. Just, you know, she would always have it up. Oh, and for sure, because I could ever pull it off, she would for sure have a fringe. <laughs> okay, so that's how she like physically looks. That's sort of a, her appearance. But what were they like? Um, Catherine was... Catherine was much quieter than me, for sure. She had a sort of stoicism, I guess. Could be quite solemn, but just because she liked, you know reading like I, I liked reading and stuff but I liked doing loads of different things and, and meeting different people and, and, and trying new things she always felt more herself in the quieter places in places where she could indulge in a good book and uh, you know be by herself and a sense of calm I guess out of the two of us she was definitely the cleverer one the one that would you know be able to work things out really quickly, be able to read instructions and know how a thing would be put together or um, the correct answer to a comprehension question. She just got on with things. Compared to me where I would be a little bit more, not outspoken, a little bit more loosey-goosey with the rules or little ways to sort of get out of convention, I guess. She definitely was one to stick to the rules. I wouldn't call her an introvert, though. Like, I feel like at that age in our childhood, she just would quite happily enjoy people making the decisions for her. And she would follow along with it. She would know what was right or wrong. She would give her opinion, perhaps, but she wouldn't be the first to say, I think we should do something. I think we should do this. She would hold back her judgment, you know, listen to all the opinions or all the facts, do the research, and then come to a sort of a, a conclusion about stuff and then state it whereas I would be a bit more jumping around saying we need to do something a little you know a bit more outspoken but I would listen to reason so not necessarily at odds to each other but maybe like two sides of a coin you know very very similar but you know slight difference in the pattern slight difference in the sort of um imprint so I've got a multiple choice one here so it goes your magic was about being in touch with Spirits, elements, arcane laws, one or more gods, god, fey, energy, or other. Um, for me, when I think of, like, fey, I think of the, oh, I can't remember the name of the, the girls, but the two sisters who fooled, like, even Arthur Conan Doyle into thinking that they were fairies through these, like, staged photographs. <laughs> so that doesn't really call out to me. Spirits, I'm... Nah, not really. I don't know really what arcane laws mean. Like, obviously magic laws, but... <laughs> not sure. I think it'll be between sort of elements and energy. Because I'm thinking 
not that I'm stealing this at all from anything, but say Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, <laughs> the idea of transference and changing one thing into another, but it has to come from somewhere. That sort of alchemy. I quite like that idea. The idea that you can control them in some way, like the wind, water, fire. I mean, earth, maybe like grass, maybe like nature in a way. I think that would be quite cool. So I'm going to go with elements, I think. Calling mostly involves intuitive movement and vocals, gestures of evocation, meditation and feeling, ritual use of objects, prayer or other. Mm. I did just say I did steal a little bit from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Because what they do, they sort of clap their hands together and like hit the ground or they touch whatever they want changed into something and sort of channel that energy or channel that sort of the elements through that. I don't know if I would do that here though. I think prayer, not really. Ritual use of objects, like, mm, no, I don't think so. Knowing me as a kid, I would have just lost any object. Meditation and feeling. I don't think we would have done that. Like, I would have been too fidgety for that. I'm going to go with the first... I'm going to go with my gut instinct. I'm going to go for intuitive movement and vocals. When I think of, like, childhood, I think about, like, constantly sort of moving and being with it. And singing. Like, just having a good sing-song or just making weird, tuneless noises. So I think that would make more sense. Both me and Catherine would make these noises or make do a scale or something like, oh, maybe like a chromatic scale or a minor scale or a major scale to enhance or diminish the various elements as we sort of transfer the energy from one into another. Actually, thinking about it, technically, if I just go back to it, your magic was about being in touch with, I think I'm going to change it slightly. Fuck it, I'm going to take two. So I'm going to take elements and energy. It doesn't say I have to pick one. It just says, what is it? So I think it makes both. So I think, yes, I'm going to take that. And then using the movement, uh, like hand movement, maybe dancing and touching various objects, we could just transfer that energy into an elemental form of some sort. That would be cool, actually. Yeah. Doing it made you feel deep and sombre, vast and free, vast and significant, shifting and beautiful, elaborate and wise, joyous and playful, pure and true, and other. I'm gonna go with, I think joyous and playful, like, I feel like if you're dancing or if you're doing movement in that way instead of singing, it's just gonna be fun. It's just a little, little play thing, really. It's, it's nothing serious. We, we enjoy what it is. So yeah, joyous and playful. That sounds, that sounds about right. Is there a term for people like you? If so, what? And then I've got some options saying magician, witch. Seed, Echo, Changeling, Prophet, or Other. The word Echo sounds nice. They call us the Echoes. Because we can... Well, I like that word. It doesn't really fit, though. Like the echoing... The energy. Hmm. I know I don't need to justify it, but I'd like to justify it. I'm just trying to think. Transference... The transferers does not sound great. I will I will say that, so I'm not going to use that. Well, I think, you know what? I'm just going to go with echo. We're sort of echoing 
one element and changing it into another. We, we are echoing that sort of change from one energy into another. We're mirroring it as something else. And of course with our singing as well, that can sort of echo around a sort of chamber or a field of some sort. So yeah, echo. That'd be nice. Who brought the two of you into the soft world and showed you the ways of the core? Family? A secret society? Magical creatures? A cabal of friends? Animals or plants? A magic school? No one? You found your way through research or puzzle solving? Or no one? Your instincts guided you? Or other? I don't think the first couple of options are suitable for this. Like, magic school instantly makes me think of Harry Potter. Animals and plants instantly think of any sort of druid from any sort of high fantasy campaign. Secret society? No. Magical creatures? No. Family could be quite interesting. But again, I like the idea that it's just a secret that only us two know. And I think just from what I talked about Catherine before, about her reading and her learnings, I like the idea that we found it through research or solving some sort of puzzle. Like just unlocking this potential that could be in quite a few people, but we were the ones that found it through our own sort of research or our own sort of learning or looking for it. That'd be quite cool. I prefer that over instincts. I think the instincts ones just feels not really original. Because I think most people would say, oh, instinct drove me to do this. I feel like we've unlocked this potential within ourselves through research or puzzle solving. So that'd be quite cool. Yeah, let's do that. Three. The separation. You haven't spoken to your twin for a great many years. And you don't do magic anymore. You live the life you have now. A long while ago, as you were growing older, you did something wrong or off. Perhaps a big thing. Perhaps it was a series of small things. Distractions, indifferences, doubts. Casual insufficiencies that piled up before you paid any attention. During that time, your twin stopped talking to you. And you grew out of touch. You stopped calling. And have not tried often since. After all this time, you're not sure if it would really work. It's difficult to muster the state of mind anymore. Your twin is off somewhere else in the world. They are a great magician now, spinning magic and calling true at the heart of the soft world. Or so you heard. They are so insurmountably far away. 4. What is your twin doing these days? This should be something fundamentally awesome, but with less than epic stakes. Catherine... She loves her books. I think she would have written quite a number of books, like scientific books, on the sort of research she did on this sort of the magic, this sort of transference magic she has. She would have done so much research and finding very little in the field and what has been written being maybe incorrect or just dominated by older male writers, older male scientists. She would have published like a series of articles in journals like Nature or new scientist about her theories about this sort of magic this sort of transference and it's been picked up like wildfire her writings would have connected other people who thought they were alone in this sort of field together she would have done book tours maybe even like oh yeah she would have totally done a TED talk still reserved in some places but it's happy to talk about her research it's something that she's deeply passionate about she's probably been on many radio shows and chat shows talking about this 
this field of magic that she has she seems to be the only female expert in how do you know what your twin has been doing and i've got a few options i've got i see them occasionally from a distance social media i see the effects of their calling through mutual acquaintances or family in the news or other so i think there's going to be several i think there's several options here which i'm gonna take social media absolutely and the news because i think the way she conducts her research while she's not necessarily evangelical about it so many of her sort of follows like the the echoes or the newfound echoes talk about her a lot it's very hard to avoid i like the idea that she probably doesn't have like active social media accounts herself but it is just run by her publicist she's been on the news she's been on like different panels and stuff i think i would also see effects of their calling as well in the sense of like i think she would have to do some demonstrations to see how it works so for example she would probably have helped like create flood barriers in some of the more flood-stricken regions being able to create those and you know people saying thanks to her creating these sort of dams these sort of buttresses their houses have been saved on the news and stuff you see her teaching other new echoes to do this transference of magic to create these elements to create this energy for the good of humankind i know it's this might seem very cheeky about this but i think i would hear about it through family and mutual acquaintances because obviously i still would talk to my family i think my family would know that i don't talk to my twin they talk about her and how well she's doing and how she she speaks about her work and say how proud they are of her and that oh did you see what Catherine did on the news and of course I'd say yes of course I did would I say I was jealous in a way maybe envious I don't know during which period of time in your real life did you stop doing magic and lose touch with your twin how long ago was it this should be approximately 25 to 50% of your life ago. I think it would have happened when I was about 17 or 18. So just when we're coming up to um, choosing like college and choosing our future steps, our uh, universities and stuff, I think that's when it would be. So when I was 16, 17. No, no, I was going to say 18 because I think getting the results and finding out where I was going and what I was planning to do would have been a changing point. No, 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 I'm going to go back and get, sorry, scratch that. I'm going to say 17. Because we would have had, in the UK, we had A-levels and we had AS-levels, which is like your first year, and then A2, which is like the second year of it. And AS-levels, you can take for a year, and then if you want to continue them, you can continue them onto A2. And I think at the end of the AS-level year, we would have got results, and that might have changed what I wanted or what I was going to do, and... This is the same for Catherine, so I'm going to say 17, when I was 17. Can you think of one or more specific events in your real life that led to this? It's alright to be uncertain about the exact answer, though you should have some guesses. Or discover the answer through play. <sighs> um, God. I was a terrible teenager. I think... It would be several things. One, which I kind of alluded to, would be would be school, the academic sort of side of it. Obviously, both of us being relatively capable and sound of intellect, 
I can imagine there being a great pressure to do well and to be like a st- uh, not a standard but um a role model for others and to do well and getting to the end of that year and getting the results of AS and obviously Catherine doing amazingly well she's so smart she loves reading she gets it maybe I didn't do so well we took all the same subjects because it's what we love it's what we enjoy doing and we hadn't really set up on a decision but you know we're two parts of the same we we're two parts of the same coin we do everything together and I think getting those results maybe I I couldn't couldn't do one or two of the same subjects as her I had to maybe retake a year or maybe retake a couple of exams which would have held me back and I think I think I would have hit it from her I could just imagine seeing her face on the day looking at the results in her hand on the paper and turning to me smiling saying we've done it we've done it haven't we and I sort of lighter and I said yes of course even though a couple of weeks later obviously I would have to change classes I think the other thing which would play quite heavily into it would be boys you know when you're a teenager you're told the most important thing in your life right then and then is being popular and being socially acceptable and having a partner of some sort Obviously, at the time, people were like, it has to be a boy, you have to have a boyfriend. And I think I would have just got caught up in the rush, thinking, I can't, this is something we need. So instead of maybe studying as hard as I could, I'd go, I'd go hang out with individuals that, when I look back, they weren't worth my time or effort. Catherine wouldn't have cared about boys. You know, she loved books, she loved research, she loved finding out new things and for me even though I was passionate about these same things I felt the pull of this wasn't socially acceptable this wasn't what the group thought was good what my peers thought was cool even though now I was 100% say it is fucking cool and kids are mean you don't have to listen to them you don't have to listen to anyone. But I did, and my, I want to say, cowardice kicked in, and I kind of shunted away learning or studying in such a way about being passionate about it, which probably led to the results not being as good as they could be. Would it have led to other things? Maybe going out to parties more? Just not spending enough time with her. She would want to organise doing more research or more practices and I'd be like oh I can't this weekend and it's uh, Molly's birthday or oh Suzanne's having um having us round for a sleepover and while some of it was true not all of it was because I didn't want to be labeled as a nerd as a geek for liking this stuff like I think it would have been known that we were practitioners of this of the echo but I worked quite hard on like being like, oh, but that's not that's not just my only label. I could be cool. I can I can do I can do these things. And I think the final sort of not straw, but the final thing would be shutting her down. Maybe, and she maybe catches me lying, or catches me out over something, some fucking trivial thing, catches me that 
she demands an answer. You know, she finds out that I've lied about the academic process, that I'm probably not going to do the same thing that she's going to do, when I, and what, what's going to happen. And I think all this sort of fear of not being accepted and not being... You know, I, I turn on her, and I, I rip her to shreds. I say horrible, mean things to her about her work, about how she'll never get a partner never be socially acceptable and she's dragging me down with her and how could she do that? She's a selfish bitch. How could she? I don't want anything more to do with this stupid echo. It's childish. Nobody cares. We can't, you know, up to this point we hadn't done anything big or exciting, just fucking parlor tricks. I don't want to be there just to do a fucking party trick. I was so mean. I certainly regret it now. I think just that teenage angst and anger building up, not knowing what's going on, not knowing how to feel, being so confused about everything and having it all bubble up to the surface and then lashing out at the one person who, I mean, now that I look back on it, probably was going through the same thing. I lashed out and I hurt her. If others were involved in your introduction to the soft world, is there anything worth noting about how you lost touch with them? Your twin remains involved with them. However, they are far less important to this story than your twin. Um, well, so we discovered it through our own sort of learnings and for our own sort of things. So we don't, I wouldn't say there wasn't anyone particular that helped us with it, but maybe I would say that my family hearing about this, like I got probably grounded or the equivalent of for many weeks and told I have to apologise I refused to. So I think it would have not necessarily, because they didn't help me find this sort of magic, but I think it would have damaged my relationships with them. They might have healed over time, but, you know, scars never really heal, do they? Five. The dream. You have not thought much about your twin for a long time. Not too many days ago, however, you had a dream. It was a vivid dream. Deep, clear and memorable. In it, you and your twin were together and young. You were talking and joking about the future. You said, anything can happen. They said, that's okay. We'll always have each other. They said, whatever happens, we'll meet again in the place at the moment. In the dream, you agreed. When you woke up, it felt as vivid and real as a memory, though you don't recall it happening in real life. Was it a conversation you once had and simply forgot? Or is it a fresh idea? A wisp from the soft world? The moment is nearly upon you. 6. In what way does your life not contain magic anymore? I mean, I see the transference happening on the news and I see the echoes, the sort of the groups of people that are sent as a task force to make these changes to be sort of almost like climate change task forces, yeah, to, uh, groups of people to make the changes and protect those who are vulnerable on the news but I don't do that no, I I just work at an office job 9 to 5, Monday to Friday as far from being out in the field as, as you can imagine 
before the dream, when was the last time you seriously thought about your twin? Um, I would have said about maybe a month ago. There would have been some big thing on the news. Some sort of, well, let's tell it as it is, folks. Some sort of new um, virus. Some sort of new, um, some sort of new infection that spreads to people. And it, it gets people worried about it. So Catherine is interviewed saying, how, how can we stop this sort of thing? Can, can transference magic, can echoes be able to, to stop this from happening? And I would have seen her being talked to. And I would just... I'd be like, wow. That's amazing. Like, something something I would never have considered. And she's there. On the 9 o'clock news. On a panel, deeply in discussions with... WHO leaders, um, politicians. She looks in control. She looks... I mean, tired, but well, everyone looks tired, but she looks like a woman ready to do the business and take those difficult decisions. When did you have the dream? This should be a specific night within the last month or so. I'm going to say because we don't get to do it that often, but it would have been on the 29th of February. I think I would have been feeling off all day. Not that I'm superstitious or anything like that, having the extra day in February, but I noticed that was the weirdest thing. I woke up after having this dream and then having to turn over the calendar to March and thinking, wow, this doesn't happen that often, once every four years. I'd also say, because we've been having quite a few storms recently, I can imagine like it being quite a rainy night, so I wouldn't have gone out. I would have been feeling a bit, not down, but I think just miserable, like, oh, the weather's changed and hating how we're still in winter and it's still dark and stuff. So I think that sort of mood permeating as I was going to bed. And then waking up the next day and it's nice sunshine, there's a change in the air, that sort of thing. And actually noticing it for the first time as if coming out of a deep sleep and realising that your surroundings have changed. Describe the dream. Where were the two of you? What was going on? We were... we were at home. It wasn't home. It's, you know, never is. It's, no. We were... Oh, I'll tell you where we were. We were at the Manchester Public Library. The one that, I think, is still above the library theatre. We used to go there after school and so that Catherine could do her studying and I could sort of just relax and chill out with the books and just an incredible circular room with these long wooden tables. A few people quietly reading or making notes. We'd just be there muttering and looking at anything to find more research on the magic. In the dream, we're there again, but this time we're just on a table, the books surrounding us, and no one else is there. And we're almost like whispering, so we just still thought, you know, you don't, you don't talk aloud in the library. And I remember, I feel there's almost like a sense of relief. Like this, this is almost like there was a barrier between us, a sort of unspoken, or not hate, but just awkwardness. And we're talking, and it's. I think I would realize in the dream that this has not always been the case. And not realizing it was a dream per se. The table is covered in books, 
piled high, higher than physically possible, almost like as if we're in like a fort of books, we're laughing and she's pointing out certain diagrams and stuff, and it's just, everything's just nice here. We talk about the future relating to what we want. Catherine is talking very animatedly for herself. It's not unlike her, but she's talking quite fast about how she wants to become a researcher. She thinks that, you know, if she's able to write about her her work and what she's found here, then she could inspire others and find other people, then they could change the world for good. And I'm just listening. It's nice to see her not frown at me, not worried about if she says the wrong thing. Maybe she asks me what I want to do. And I truthfully answer her, saying, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I, I, I'm unsure. I, no matter what happens, I just want to be me. I don't have any lofty goals or, or big ambitions to, to change the world like she does and make an impact. I just, I want to be happy and I want to be able to do what I want to do when I think of it. And there's a pause where I think she's going to rebuke me or is going to be in shock about not picking the same thing as her because we're, we're together, we're two parts of the same coin. But she doesn't. She sort of holds my hand and says, that sounds amazing. And she laughs and she says, you don't always need a plan, Fiona. You don't always need to work out what you're going to do in 5, 10, 20 even 50 years time no one really knows what's going to happen in that time so long as you surround yourself with people you love that's all that matters and and I'll always be there for you we'll always be together in the dream what was the place that was named choose something nearby that is easy for you to get to ideally the place should be outdoors and have personal significance to you but any non-residential location that you find atmospherically interesting will do. A public location is good if you are able to move, mutter, gesture, text and roleplay there. I'll be honest, I have somewhere in mind, but it's not personally significant to me. But I guess I do go there often because it is atmospherically interesting. And that's Tooting Cemetery in London. I often go there on walks during my lunch break from work. What's cool about it there is that, apart from those interesting gravestones and interesting plants that grow there, there's some incredible trees. Really, really interesting. I think in the dream itself, when Catherine names it, I'm sort of taken aback by it. I remember where it is, but then I don't, because I've never heard it before, so it's almost like a duality of going, wait, that place? Where is that? I know that place. So yeah, Tooting Cemetery. What is the significance of the place? You got some options. The two of you have never been there before, but always wanted to go. It's where you first discovered magic. The soft world is powerful there. It's featured in another dream you both had long ago as children. It's where you were standing during the conversation in the dream. It was the first place that came to mind, or other. I mean, I've kind of revealed that a little bit. Um, it is technically the first place that came to my mind when I was thinking of this. 
almost like, you know, Inception. This was always sort of there when I thought of it. But like I said, it's like, I've never, I've never been there before. Yes, I have. And again, these sort of crossing over of the two different versions of myself. And when I wake up, I think of the place. I think of the exact bench where I'm going to sit next to, next to the entrance. What is the significance of the moment? And the choices I have are, it was simply a fixed time and date after the dream. The world is especially tuned for calling. It signifies unity between two people who call. Forces in the soft world are aligned as they were in the moment you two were born. It's numerologically important or other. Again, I think it's just, it's just as it is. It's just, it just happened. It's just nothing big, big and important about it. It's unimportant. It's just simply a fixed time and date. Say, be here at this time, on this date, in this place. One of those things was like, this is convenient. (laughs) Seven. Now, if possible, tell someone in your life whom you trust that you are playing this game. Explain that you will be talking to them later as if this was all true and really happening. Then, share the dream with them as you really had it. It's possibly very, very boring, but I am going to contact my other half. He'll probably make fun of me because I'm playing this game, but that's okay. And I'll we'll see how it goes. Okay, so things have changed in the last 24 hours. I'm currently working from home due to, well, the outbreak. So I'm going to make a few modifications. So I know I said I was going to go to Tooting Cemetery to do this. I'm still going to roleplay that, but I'm going to go to the park, which is about five minutes down the road, and do that instead. But to limit the time I'm spending outside and whilst I'm doing this, I'm going to just fill in the beginning of the next part and then go and do it, essentially, and record the journey there, it happening, and the journey back. So I'm just going to read out what it says. So let's see. Part B... When you are ready, read all of Part B, the rest of this book, and complete Section 8. Then physically go up to the place, but do not enter yet. Immediately before entering, complete Section 9. If the journey to itself feels important to you, you may also complete Section 9 at the beginning of that journey rather than on arrival. So we'll do that instead. We'll do it at the beginning of the journey, and then I'll just record everything as I go. 8. Preparation. Prepare for live play. Shortly, you'll be physically travelling to the place. The moment is scheduled to take place about five minutes after you arrive. Your twin does not show. So looking at the rules, I have to set up my phone in such a way that I would be, once I get there, I would be texting my twin. So I'm not going to do that for this one, obviously, because it's a podcast and you don't want to hear me just tapping away on my phone. So what I'm going to do is essentially speak out loud as if I'm doing a voice note in WhatsApp or in Facebook Messenger. And it says the next step after setting up your phone in such a way to do this is to create a timer on your phone for 18 to 20 minutes. And if possible, name your twin's name and set it to your ringtone. Later, you'll be instructed to start the timer right before entering the place. So, okay, I'm going to do that now. Okay, we'll use that one. That's a a nice uh, generic sounding one that people probably would recognise. So we'll use that one. How to play. Once you arrive at the place, you will roleplay your inner thoughts and outward actions as you attend and wait at this meeting. You have your twin's number. As it feels appropriate to you, perhaps on arrival or after they miss the moment, 
message them whilst moving around the space. Err on the side of saying more, the way that people might drunk text a friend, an ex, or a significant other. As you play, continue to draw on your own life experiences. About 15 minutes after the designated time, your timer will go off, signifying that they are calling you. Pretend you don't know this is coming until it happens. You may or may not choose to pick up. If you do answer, you may either end the game there or play out the subsequent conversation for closure. If playing out the conversation, imagine your twin saying whatever would be most cathartic, whether positive or otherwise. Either way, take a few minutes afterwards to continue roleplaying alone. Actions. As you roleplay, there are some possible things to do. Move. Move expressively about the space, letting your thoughts and feelings carry your body. Message. Send messages to your twin. They will not respond. Think. Reflect and feel in your own mind. Sketch. When you would do something that you don't actually want to do in public, such as lunge, fall over, gesticulate wildly, offer harm, use a smaller hand gesture to represent it. You are the audience of the gesture, so put true gravity behind it. Calling. If you ever try to call, doing the magic you once used to do, it works if it works. If you're calling to try and change something overt in the outside world, it will probably not work anymore. If you're calling to change something within your own heart, then it is so. 9. Arrival and play. Upon arriving at the place, stop on the threshold before you enter, and quickly follow the directions in this section. This might mean pausing outside of a park or the entrance to a building, for example. Begin play immediately. When the timer goes off, it signifies that your twin is calling you on the phone. At this point, you must decide whether or not to pick up and what happens next. After the call, continue role-playing for a few more minutes until you're ready to finish. Alright, so I'm going to answer the questions now before I leave. Why did you decide to come here? What led to your decision to come? Or, did you ignore the dream and somehow find yourself here anyway? <sighs> I think I would have ignored the dream if it hadn't been for me talking to my partner, Jacob. It's something that would have affected me, and he's the only person I would talk to about what is going on, and he would know the full extent of this twin, and he would listen, and he would say, why don't you just go? If they don't turn up, they don't turn up. There's no harm in it, and you've got time just now to do it. You should do it. It would be something that I would say and talk about, but, you know, I'd try and laugh it off, but it would prey on my mind until my partner would say, the only way you're going to get closure is to go and do it. And you might feel silly for doing it, but at least you did something about it instead of just sitting here not doing anything and worrying and then you missing that moment. Why didn't you contact your twin in between the dream and this moment? They're super busy. Like, they're on the news constantly about this whole crisis, they're trying to solve things. I, I suddenly feel inadequate. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to hassle them in this way. Am I scared to? I, I guess I don't know what the response would be. And with the situation as it is currently, I don't want to... I don't want to be a burden. I, I don't want to be an embarrassment. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be a hardship on, on Catherine right now. She's clearly got a lot on like the last thing she needs to do is talk to her to a shitty sister yeah i i i don't yeah 
How does your body feel right now? Well, nervous. I'm desperately trying not to build it up in my mind. I'm going, you know, getting things ready, forgetting my keys, just, you know, maybe I'm like half an hour early, like, to get ready. Like, I don't need to go for another half an hour, but I'm, I'm already ready. I've got the coat on, I've got my keys, and I'm just sat here waiting for the right time to go. And it feels like an age, that constant clock watching, thinking, I, I don't know what's going to happen. What am I going to say to her? Finally, note the time. Pick an exact time, three to five minutes from now, to be the moment. Activate your timer. Immediately begin play by sending a short message to your twin, such as, I'm here. Okay, well, that's that's it. So the time currently, looking at the clock, is 9.47am on Wednesday, the 18th of March, 2020. And I'm going to say, because it's going to take me about 10 minutes to get to the park, I'm going to say I'm going to get there, I'm going to get there for 10 past 10, and I'm going to say the moment starts at quarter past 10, and then we'll just, we'll just go from there, really. So I better get going. Okay. Just going to start shutting things. Quite a grey day outside. Quite a few cars out as well. Hopefully the park won't be too busy. People must think I'm weird just hanging around with a big microphone as I'm walking to this park. I think it's good foley though. Okay, so we're about halfway there, and I am actually quite nervous. I don't know why. Maybe a combination of factors, you know. Ooh, a bit windy. Yeah, definitely got an odd look then. <sighs> I don't know if this was a good idea. Very grey out today as well. Feels ominous, but now I'm overthinking it. So tell you what, I'm not gonna go 
I'm going to go straight to the park. I'm going to go over this little bridge. I'm going to do it on the bridge, I think. Oh, yeah, perfect. This is perfect. I'll do it here. There's a little bench and everything. Nice. Oh, it's very quiet as well. It looks a bit abandoned. I'll do it. It seems... Seems the place. Okay, well, I'm here 15 minutes early. <laughs> wow, did not did not expect that. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna walk up and down. I'm gonna walk up and down this stretch of road. I think that's what I would do anyway, like because normally I am 15 minutes late for things. This time I feel because it's such a big event, I would walk up and down, or get there early, realise I'm early, and then walk. So I'm just going to walk along the cycle path for a little bit, and then I'll turn back and go sit on the bench when the time is right. It's very overgrown here. It's really... I've not been down this part of the path before. I wonder what's on the other side. <sighs> very green here as well. It's very nice. You can hear the birds tweeting. So there's the park I was originally going to go to. But it's very empty just now. That's quite sad, isn't it? Nearly Easter and no one's out playing. I mean, understandable to be honest with you, but still, quite, quite sad. Oh, I can get down there. Ah, uh, yeah, it's locked. But there's also a slide down there. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, perfect. Perfect, I've seen it. There's a bench. Like, halfway from the entrance to the end of the cycle path. Perfect. Oh, here. Here's where it's going to be. Here's the meeting point. Oh, and it goes down into the park. Perfect. I can always wander down there if I want to. Right, I better, better go sit on the bench then. Ooh. Got a great view. Got some people's houses. Got a financial district. And then you've got, well, I can't remember what it's called, but the big structure near West Ham Stadium. Four minutes past ten. So I've come and sat down. Getting weird looks from cyclists. There's no back to this bench, so it's ugh, very uncomfortable. It's very peaceful as well. Should do this more often, clearly. <laughs> It's five past ten. Maybe I should start now. Yeah, I'm going to start now. I'm super early, so... Why ever not? Okay, so it's five past ten. I'm going to put the timer on. Timer on now.
Okay. I'm here. Sorry, um, it's, it's Fiona. Um, I, sorry, this is really, really weird. Um, I had a dream, and you were in it, and we were back in Manchester Library, and we said we should meet here. And here I am. <laughs> I've never actually been here before. Hope you are well. Um, I... I've been good. Um, you know, with all this stuff going on. I saw you on the, on the news. Um, lo- looks very very scary um but i'm sure i'm sure you're doing i'm sure you're doing great you you you're doing great you you look great i mean you look you look tired but okay, sorry um let me start over i think i hey sorry as you can tell I've, i keep using i keep just saying random words like like before i've not much has changed i guess well, you've changed. Um, you are amazing. I'm, oh, God, okay. No, no, hang on. I'm sorry. about, you know, the stuff I said. And I'm sorry I've not been in touch. I mean, you've also not been in touch, but that's by the by. I can understand why you wouldn't want to keep in touch. Um... I I don't know what to say to you I don't know why I even came here Jacob said it would be best if I did I feel foolish, I feel silly Dreams, you know, like Never had dreams like this I'm clearly just anxious. I'm clearly... I shouldn't be bothering you. You're clearly very busy. Um, I... It's... I, I, I live in Stratford now. Yeah, I moved. I... I moved after a couple of years... 
I'm engaged. Uh, you'd like him. Very no-nonsense American. I told him all about you. He's seen you on the news. I hope you're happy. I hope you've found someone or... Or, or even if you haven't, like, that's totally cool. Like, uh, that was always a sore point, wasn't it? All those times when I was distracted because of of boys, because of of anything but but you just you were never like that you you like to read you like to research you like to oh man you're so passionate about everything and I miss that I miss that a lot I guess it's I guess it's hard to be passionate about anything these days. I mean, at least you get to do your dream job for a living. I'm just here, stuck in a nine-to-five office job, which I kind of fell into helping people where I can, but it's it's not the same. It's just not the same at all. I've gone into the park for a bit now. Just, you know. So I am here. So if I'm not if I'm not on the bench, just 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 phone me or just text me. I'll I'll be back. I just Sorry, I'm <laughs> You're going to laugh at me, but I came, I came to this place 15 minutes early. How stupid is that, right? I know, I'm, it's first for every time. It's a, sort of first for everything, I guess. There's a weird park here. There's, like, a slide, but it's, like, around a tower, and on top of the tower is, like, a, a wind vane or, like, one of the old-fashioned, like, windcorn things you see out of you know, American farms and stuff. It's dead around here, really, in terms of people, but there's actually some nice greenery around. Grass is uncut. I can't... I can't do it anymore. I think... I think... I can't do it because... I don't think it believes in me anymore. I know that sounds stupid, 
But I think when we had our... Well, that, that summer, when we had the argument and we went different ways, I stopped doing it altogether. I stopped practising and... Well, every so often I did try. did try to do a little bit, but... Nothing. And... I first I thought, fine, that's, that's great. I didn't want it anyway. I didn't... You know I didn't like to be different. I... I liked fitting in. But, but now... It's bullshit, you know. When you're young and people say, oh, you need to fit in, or there's this urge to fit in and not be different, you like something, but we don't like it. You think, screw you, you know? Now. Now you think about how popular everything is. Like, um, if you think about, like, I've... Okay, you're going to find this really silly, but I, I got into reading. I got into reading RPG books, role-playing games. And I love playing them. I love creating stories with my friends. And, well, ten years ago, maybe more, I think the friends I had then would have laughed at it. Okay, okay, you're here. It's here, the time's here. Um... Alright, I'll, I'll just head back. So I'll be 30 seconds. Don't. 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 Don't leave. I'm almost there. Just. Give me, give me another 10 seconds. I'll be there. I promise. Please say you're there. Oh God, it's quarter past. I'm, I'm coming. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to run off. Hang on, hang on. I'm almost there. Hang on. not here. Oh. Okay, it's fine. It's fine, you're not here, it's fine. Sorry, probably late. That's okay. So I'll, I, won't, I won't move from the spot now. So yeah, um, what was I saying? Oh, I can't remember what I was saying. Something about role-playing games, something stupid. It's weird how people are now passionate about certain things that weren't cool back then.
Well, oh, well, I don't know. I guess... I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why I'm sending you these voice notes. I just... I regret it. I, no amount of apologising can do or mend whatever happened between us, but... Well... Fuck it, I'm, I'm wallowing in swell... I'm, I'm wallowing in self-pity right now. I'm envious of you. Fine, jealous, I... You were always the favourite. Out of everyone. I didn't even have to do... You didn't even have to do anything. You just were academically gifted. You could do everything. You weren't... You didn't cause a fuss. You didn't do anything. You're always perfect. And... As stupid as it sounds, as a kid I was jealous of that and I just I thought if I could be different by by being being louder being more extrovert being silly the class cat clown I'd 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 get that some of that attention and well wrong kind of attention huh I'm well I don't know why I've come here but if anything I just want to say I am jealous of you I'm envious of you but I'm proud of you you've done so much you've accomplished so much and you are so humble and not that you need me to be proud of you or anyone to be proud of you, of your achievements or anything like that, but... I'm glad I got to spend time with you. And without you, I don't think I'm a good person. I don't think we're... I don't... I just... You know how they always said that we were two sides of the same coin, of the same person? You made me want to be a better person, Cathy. And if I ever made you feel embarrassed or ashamed about who you were, about your passions, about your hobbies, about your work, then I'm sorry. And I want you to know that that's heartfelt. Please, just... You're not coming, are you? 
I don't know why I expected you to come. I don't know why I expected anything. I don't deserve your company or time. Maybe you are better off without me. Things get better. I know you're working very hard on it, and you're... You'll come up with something. You always do. I hope that... Whatever happens... We're okay. And... I hope... This could be one of the last times I'm outside for a long time. I hope this... I hope this was worth it. I love you, Kathy. I don't think I've ever said that out loud. safe for me, for our parents, for our family. I just, I just don't have any words. I just, I don't know what to say anymore. I wish you were here. I wish I could speak to you face to face. I wish I could... I can't even hold you. I'm so sorry, Kathy. For everything. Kathy? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's me. 
So I've just got back um, from the park. Yeah, I, uh, man, I, <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend it. It was actually really cathartic being able to go out and just talk to my better self, essentially. That was good. That was really good. I feel much better, actually. I feel, I don't know, like a weight's been lifted off my shoulders a little bit. And, yeah. I hope wherever you are, Kathy, you're doing good. Long ago, you had a twin. And you used to do magic together. You stopped because life got in the way. Your twin did not. The two of you lost touch. And now you have chosen to follow a dream about your youth, coming to a meeting place to find them. Your twin is not here. The What Am I Rolling podcast was created, recorded, and edited by me, Fiona Howard. This episode's player was Fiona Howard. This episode's RPG was Twain, a short game for one, written by Jay Lee and published by Vermilion Games. You can find out more about Twain on the Vermilion Games website. That's www.vermilion.games. The theme music was 8-Bit March by Twin Musicon of twinmusicon.org, licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. If you want to find out more about the podcast, check out the website. That's www.wairpodcast.com. Fancy getting in touch? Email the podcast at whatamirollingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at wair underscore podcast for latest news on upcoming episodes. And remember, adventurers may not apply. <laughs>